Thanks, Tim. Yeah, good morning, everyone. Um, let's begin just with a, a moment's prayer, um, and then we'll uh, we'll think about something together. Father God, we thank you for this week. We thank you for these times that we've been able to set aside together um, for you and for ourselves. Um, we thank you um, that you have been with us, that you have moved amongst us. Um, we thank you that the promise of your Holy Spirit when two or three gather, we believe applies to Zoom calls as well as churches. And we thank you that your spirit has been present um, in these times. Amen. Amen. Um, yes. So, um, so for those of you who have not been uh, with us this week, um, the, the inspiration for these talks has come from a particular book, which I have shared in the last few days, uh, John Mark Comer's book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, which is essentially a um, kind of modern American book about spiritual disciplines. And it's certainly not the only book out there that advocates these things. And um, there's certainly nothing particularly original about it. It's just, I guess, when I, when I read it, I found it quite an easy read and uh, I found it really quite helpful and, and it refocused some of my thoughts. And so um, on Wednesday, we were talking about accumulation of wealth and possessions and how in the life of Jesus, what we see is not just um, the son of God who came to redeem the world, which he did, but we also see um, a model of humanity um, in uh, the second Adam, um, a, a human who lived in a healthy way. Um, and how to be um, a healthy human being in the world. And the, the essential argument here is that not much has changed um, in terms of our humanity and the principles by which we might seek to live, despite the fact that the modern world um, definitely has things about it that are different. Um, fundamentally, the problem is the same, uh, which is that the world is a very busy place. It is easy, very easy to become distracted by things and by pressures on our time. Um, and therefore we ought to try and develop some spiritual disciplines to help us um, not just cope with that, but to thrive despite it. Um, so so the, the third thought really for the week um, today is not, it's, it's kind of connected to the other two thoughts really. So the, the first thought was about not chasing after stuff to make you happy. Um, the second thought was about finding a solitary place, finding a place of quiet and restoration. Um, and the third thought really is, is, is about um, setting aside a day a week where you actually pursue those things in a very intentional and planned way. Um, um, a day where we intentionally don't get on the hamster wheel, a day where we don't go shopping, a day where we don't go on Amazon, um, a day um, where we spend time with our loved ones and a day where we find solitary places. And of course, you know what I'm referring to, the day is called the Sabbath or uh, Shabbat, which means to stop. It means to stop and to find a day off the hamster wheel. Um, so um, in Mark, the Gospel of Mark, chapter two, um, we, we get this really, really important idea about, okay, how did Jesus do Sabbath? Um, because obviously the Sabbath wasn't Jesus's idea, as, as you know, very well established and um, certainly um, something that would have been widely practiced when Jesus walked the earth by people of much faith and none. 
um, and it had become something that was part of, of uh, kind of uh, Jewish culture. Um, but Jesus, I think, redefines it slightly um, for those that have missed the point of it um, in Mark chapter two. So it says this, one Sabbath, I'm, I'm reading from verse 23, by the way, one Sabbath, Jesus was going through the cornfields and as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some ears of corn. By the way, that image, I think, is reminiscent of the image of Eden. And, you know, we talked about possessions two days ago and the idea that God would provide for us. I just I love the image of them walking through a field of corn and just kind of helping themselves to the bounty of the earth. Um, and it makes me think of the Garden of Eden and, and the way that we were originally designed to essentially walk the earth and and that God would provide food for us. And, and um, it makes me think of all that kind of stuff, which is obviously reflected in the manor in the desert as well. Um, so they're walking through and uh, picking ears of corn. And of course, doing that would have broken some of the sub rules that had been created um, by kind of more legalistic people at the time, which is why the Pharisees said to them, look, why are they doing what is unlawful to the Sabbath? What is unlawful? And that question indicates that something has happened to the Sabbath in that society, which is that it has become a legalistic rule. It's something that you have to do because God told you to do it in the Ten Commandments. And therefore, if you don't do it, you're being unlawful. And that idea of the Sabbath, I think, um, and that legalistic sense of the Sabbath can sometimes, I think, influence our thinking as well. Um, you know, I have to go to church on a Sunday. Um, I, and if I don't do that, I'm a bad Christian. Um, and I'm not saying that you shouldn't go to church um, on a Sunday, but I'm saying that that mode of thinking about the Sabbath is the wrong way around, which is why Jesus redefines it. He answered them, have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abiathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread which is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. So that's the kind of first point, which is like, come get over yourselves. Like even David did this. So let's not try and pretend that somehow this is, you know, a, a real problem. But this is the kind of the message that this is the line I want us to focus in on today. Then he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the son of man, is Lord even of the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man. And I think because we call the Ten Commandments the Ten Commandments, there's a temptation to think of the Sabbath as a rule which is designed to constrict us or spoil our fun in some way um, or to be some kind of law that we have to follow. But the key idea here is that the Sabbath is a gift. It is a gift. Um, like all the Ten Commandments are gifts, actually, because if we did murder and steal and cover each other's wives, etc., society would be hell. So, you know, the Ten Commandments were designed to um, be a gift, a framework by which we could live together as human beings and be happy. And the Sabbath is a central part of it. And without wanting to go too deeply into it, of course, you know, the Sabbath is introduced in Genesis 2, where God himself rested. Um, having having spent six days kind of creating the world um, he then took a day to rest um, and clearly if God thinks it's a good idea to have a rest um, that's a good thing and we should probably do the same and then of course in Exodus 20 when the Ten Commandments are first given it says this remember the Sabbath day remember the Sabbath day 
by keeping it holy, keep it set apart. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. Um, and it goes on to say, including your whole household. And I, I guess the simple thought for today is, um, have we as a society forgotten the Sabbath day? I would suggest yes. Um, it wasn't that long ago and probably only when I was quite young and I'm sure of you, many of you in this call can remember it much more clearly than me, where shops weren't open on Sundays and things like that. So there was, there used to be a sense of Sabbath, I guess, but clearly that's gone. And, and clearly the more that we live in a 24 seven connected internet driven world, the less likely we've got this rhythm of having a day set apart and holy to God. Um, and I just think as, as modern Christians, we should be seeking to remember the Sabbath whatever that looks like in our context and that by doing so it's not actually us following a rule it's actually going to make us happier human beings and healthier human beings and human beings who will likely live longer and fuller lives the sabbath is a gift it's not something that should be followed out of a sense of obligation or duty um, and and it's not just a day off it's a day that should be holy and and that doesn't mean that we have to spend the whole day in silence studying scripture although a little bit of that is probably a good thing to do on the Sabbath, but it means doing things that are worshipful in their nature. And by worship, I don't just mean singing songs. Um, it might be for you that worship is, um, you know, painting a picture or, or writing in a journal or going for a, a long walk with family or having a meal uh, together. Or, you know, for me, it's baking bread. Uh, that's one of the things that I do to worship. And um, when I watch a, a a dough rise I feel really joyous about that <laughs> and when I get it out of the oven and it's all kind of crackly and and, and lovely I think oh, amazing how is this even possible that there's just like yeast everywhere in the air that God has given us which actually allows us to leaven bread I mean that's that's incredible um, and and so as long as I do that thing in a worshipful way and I recognize that this is a good gift from God and I thank him for it that's Sabbath you know, I, I like to practice my, my scales on my bass guitar. Now that, so some people will sound like work. To me, that's Sabbath, because I love harmony and music. And I, I, I see music and harmony as something which is a gift from God. And so practicing the major scale and, and working out where all the different thirds are, for me is worshipful because I love the natural harmony that arises out of the world of music. For you, it will be something different. For me, you know, doing some DIY would be the opposite of Sabbath. I would get very cross and I would, I would be angry at the world and, um, you know, wish that I didn't have to do it. Now, I imagine for some people in this call, spending an afternoon kind of, I don't know what people do, planing wood um, and then sanding things is a kind of worshipful thing. And I can't understand that, but that's the point. Sabbath, I think, is quite individual as well because we all worship in different ways. Um, and the idea that there's one way of doing Sabbath is kind of the wrong way of thinking about it. And I think that was the problem with the Pharisees. They had a way of thinking about Sabbath and saying we should all do it the same way. Otherwise, it's not holy. And I think that's wrong. So I think what's a really interesting, interesting question for us all as we head into the weekend. And it might be that you're able to take a Sabbath. I don't think it has to be Sunday, by the way. Um, I'll give an example. When term time is in for me, I often have school commitments on a Saturday morning and I often have to work on a Sunday evening. So I take my Sabbath from kind of lunchtime Saturday to kind of early afternoon Sunday. So it's kind of a 24 hour period, but it's not 
defined as kind of Saturday or because I have to work on the weekend. Um, so it might be different for, you know, you know Tim, uh, Yen, you know, if you work on a Sunday, that's not your Sabbath. So you need to find your Sabbath on a different day. My dad was a minister. It was Monday. Monday was his Sabbath day and he didn't do anything for church on a Monday. It was his day of rest. So we all need to find it. And um, it doesn't have to be Sunday. So I guess the question is, what would my ideal Sabbath look like? And what might be quite a nice fun activity is to get a piece of paper and split it down the middle and make a list of activities that you typically do that feel like work. And then a list of activities that you typically do that feel like worship because they almost like an indulgence, uh, something that brings you joy and peace um, and, and then plan those activities. So, you know, going to do the grocery shopping for me wouldn't be a Sabbath activity, but some people love going around the supermarket and perhaps they decide that that is, a, I don't know. It's, I don't think we should set firm boundaries about these things. I just think we should reflect what stuff is Sabbath like? What stuff do I do that's worshipful? And can I intentionally plan my day each week to be a Sabbath for me, that works for me, that makes me feel gratitude and love and makes me feel closer to God. Um, and it may well include, of course, reading scripture and spending quiet time alone with God as well. And the thing that John Mark Comer says, and this is my last thought, the thing that he says that I really like is he says, we should look forward to the Sabbath. Mm -hmm. It should be our favorite day of the week. It should be a day that we're excited about, that when we get to Wednesday, we're really excited about our plans for the Sabbath. It shouldn't be a kind of, oh, Sabbath, great. I can't do anything fun today. That's a misunderstanding. The Sabbath was made for us to help us to rest and recover. So if we don't look forward to the Sabbath, we haven't planned it right. We haven't thought about it intentionally enough. If it feels like a burden, then it's wrong. We haven't got it right. Um, and depending on how connected you are, of course, lots of people are doing things like digital Sabbaths. And I certainly find a day not on my phone, a day disconnected from email. I think that's a really important factor in, you know, in, in the modern world. And with the kids, we try and have a day where they don't have any screens. They don't watch TV or play computer games. And we find ourselves playing board games and card games and riding bikes and doing all those lovely things, walking the dog. And all those things feel worshipful and they feel holy because they are set apart. So that's the thought for this morning. Um, and it might be that you're a regular Sabbath person, or it might be that you have more than one Sabbath a week because you can, and that's great. Um, but um, I guess these, this series has been me talking to myself really and saying, make sure no matter how busy you get, that you have a Sabbath day because you will be happier, healthier, and you'll probably live longer too. Let's pray. <clears throat> We thank you, Father, for the gift of the Sabbath, and we ask that you'll help us to think about it in the right way. We ask that you'll help us to plan it and protect it and give it over to you. Um, and we ask that you, you draw near to us on our Sabbath days, that you speak to us, that you restore us, that you help us find joy um, and get us ready for the next six days of work for your kingdom. Amen. Amen.